Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. From director John Greenhall, Team Foxcatcher, Chronicles... The Paranoid and Downward Spiral of Millionaire John E. DuPont that led to Schultz, Dave Schultz, the uh, the probably best-known American wrestler of all time, an Olympic champion, led to his murder on the DuPont property in 1996. The single event shocked the international sports world to its core and cut short the life of a loving family man and one of the world's top athletes. This is uh, the, the setup to this film, uh, Team Foxcatcher, debuts today as we speak. It's already up on Netflix, but we're fortunate enough to have with us the director, who I mentioned just a second ago, John Greenhall, with us today on Film School. John, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. You're very welcome. Uh, like I said in the setup, uh, people are somewhat familiar with uh, Foxcatcher uh, starring Steve Carell and Channing Tatum and some uh, high-profile Mark Ruffalo, etc., etc. It's it's a wonderful film, but this is a fantastic documentary. It's a really terrific look, uh, more or less taken from the point of view of the Schultz family. So tell us a little bit about how you became involved with this particular project and what the, what this film really adds to the narrative about the story that we have some familiarity with. Well, I have a wrestling background. Can you hear me okay? I can. I can. Can you hear okay, me? Are you all yeah, right? I can hear you fine. Okay. Uh, so I have a wrestling background. My father was heavily involved in wrestling and still is to this very day. And he was part of the 1984 Olympic team. He was an administrator for that team. So at that time, I was 14 years old, and I got to go to the training camp for the Olympics, which was held in Big Bear, California. And when I was there, I got to meet Dave Schultz. And, you know, as a young wrestler, this guy really was an idol of mine throughout my whole wrestling career and after, you know. And it wasn't just because he was such a great wrestler, which he was, but he was also this very engaging human being. You know, he was kind of like... You know, they call him like the Michelangelo of wrestling because he really had this just creative style of wrestling, but just kind of this creative way about him, way of life. He was just a really cool guy. So, you know, when this tragedy happened in 1996, I was 26 years old, and I was very aware of it. I mean, I was riveted and shocked and, you know, and appalled as the entire wrestling community was. And I had already known Nancy, you know, not not super well, but uh, but we were running in the same circles. Nancy, and then, Nancy being his wife. Yes, Nancy okay. Schultz. Yeah. And I, uh, let's see, it was about 2000, early 2000s, I made a movie called The Smashing Machine for HBO. Uh, and that movie also involved a wrestler. This guy, Mark Kerr, who also wrestled for Foxcatcher. But that movie did pretty well. So in the wrestling community, I got known through that documentary. And, and, you know, at that point, I just started speaking little bits here and there to Nancy about potentially doing something. 
but I don't think she was really ready to embark on this journey until 2010 when John DuPont passed away in jail. You know, it was at that point that we kind of reconnected and she said, okay, you know, I'm ready to do this. And it was my relationship with Nancy that really gave me her stamp of approval that kind of opened this entire world to me, you know, because a lot of the people involved in this story are very loyal to Nancy, you know, so she worked with me in setting up all the interviews. I mean, she even did like production assistant type stuff and was with me like all throughout the shooting of the film. And, you know, without her help, really, this never would have happened. And, uh, and that's kind of how it all came together. And the film also, um, I mean, you're, as luck would have it, if that's an appropriate term for such a tragic story, but there was a lot of footage that they had been taking over the years. And it's kind of funny. I mean, in, the, in, a, in a sort of an era a little bit before the, the, the phone, before the uh, you know, camera on our phones so much, they, right. there was, uh, it seems like there was a fair amount of footage shot, uh, sort of behind-the-scenes footage. Sure. I mean, I think there was a reason for that, too. I mean, really, because all of these guys were wrestling at such a high level, you know, uh, uh, international, world level. So those guys were all videotaping their matches, really, to kind of scout their opponents and, and to just, you know, critique their own wrestling. So they all had video cameras, you know. And I also think that, like, when the whole... Foxcatcher opportunity came up for these guys. It was something that that really, you know, it, it was a, the type of support that they've been looking for in this sport for a very long time, you know. And it was kind of this unique environment. So I think they were all just kind of, you know, pretty happy about this whole thing coming about. And they they were just shooting because they, I think, they all knew that they were a part of something pretty special. I want to take the approach that uh, people haven't seen uh, Dreamcatcher, the film, and they don't know much beyond what I just described, a, a, just a little bit in the setup. Let's go back and sort of un set this thing up in terms of Schultz's, as you described him. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say he may be the most, I don't know, dominant, but certainly one of the most prominent uh, wrestlers yeah, in history. Yeah, I would think so, which was really a credit to his personality. He was a super gregarious guy, and he also was heavily entrenched in Eastern European wrestling because that's where the best wrestling was taking place throughout the world. So, you know, he went as far as to learn how to speak Russian and Bulgarian. And, you know, so I, I think it was that his personality that really brought him to, to the top of the pinnacle of that sport. And one of the sort of the outside forces that set up the dynamic for what happened when John DuPont stepped forward was that in U.S. wrestling, uh, there was a sort of a, an age limit, if you will, on or a ceiling on our on the U.S.'s ability to be a dominant force in the world of wrestling because uh, once you got out of college, there, was no, there wasn't a whole lot of support for these wrestlers to continue their craft. Is that, is that a fair statement? That, that's correct. I mean, at that time, there was a few different wrestling clubs, they were called. One is the Sunkiss Sun Kids out of California, this guy, uh, Art Martori. And then there was the New York Athletic Club, which my father ran out of New York City. And those clubs were subsidizing wrestlers, but only to the point of where they would, like, pay for your travel. 
and your entrance fee into these events. But these guys still needed to be out there and have full-time jobs to support themselves and their families, you know, so they're working 40, 50 hours a week and then trying to train on the side to win Olympic gold medals, which was a very difficult thing to do, not to mention the fact that their competition in Eastern Europe at that time were fully subsidized by their governments. It was their job. It was a career. In, in right. Eastern Europe. That was their career, and, and these guys did not have that opportunity. And then when John DuPont entered the sport, he started the national team program, which meant, A, that the top three guys in each weight class got a certain amount of money to subsidize their training. Now, now they were able to live, you know. And then if you joined his club, he would give you a, another stipend on top of that. So, you know, these guys, I mean, they weren't. They weren't making a whole lot of money, but for the first time, they were able to focus solely on training rather than having to split that time with figuring out how to provide for their families as well. And part of that was that benefit, if you will, of being a part of Team Foxcatcher was that you had a place to stay on the estate of John DuPont, which uh, the DuPont family, by the way, in case somebody doesn't know, uh, and in American history, uh, maybe one of the top four or five families in in the history of the United States in terms of wealth, prestige. This is old money. Uh, it, it's the very definition of old money in the United States. Is that an, for again, sure? Yes. That is one hundred percent accurate. So it, this incredibly wealthy John Dupont, a man who uh, almost from the beginning of this story uh, seems uh, he's an odd person. Describe for our audience a little bit about him, goods and bad. I mean, good good points and bad points about John DuPont. Well, I mean, the way that I look at it is, right, it was like the marriage between John DuPont and the sport of wrestling, in a way, was like a positive-negative reaction, right? Like, as we dig deeper into John DuPont's own upbringing in the film, you start to understand that this was a guy who you know, almost grew up in, like, a cage with golden bars, right? He he was very wealthy. He had all the means in the world, but he was also very isolated. And I think the DuPonts in general, you know, or old money fam- families in general, maybe don't have the, the same type relationships as some of, you know, the, the more normal families in the world. They, they just weren't all that close. And he was really raised... More so, I mean, his dad left when he was very young, and he was raised by his mom, but more so he was raised by nannies. I mean, there are people that talk extensively about the fact that, you know, he really basically ate dinner in his room, served by maids until he was 13 years old. So he had this very isolated upbringing. So it was like the sport of wrestling and these guys needed John John DuPont's resources and what wrestling had that I think John DuPont was looking for was there's like really a sense of camaraderie and a closeness between all of the participants in the wrestling community. Because I think just by the nature of the sport itself, like when you're wrestling and you're hands-on, you're touching, you're grappling with your opponent, it's a very intimate sport and it creates these very intimate relationships. It's a very kind of family-oriented sport. And I think that John DuPont was really attracted to that because that was something he had never had in his life. So, you know, he had what they needed, they had what he needed, and it kind of created this utopian environment 
for quite a, quite a long time, you know. And I think, like like you said, I mean, I think there was there was no doubt. Everyone knew just from meeting John Dupont that he was a very odd character, yeah. you know. Yeah. But at the same time, at least in the beginning, I think his intentions were pretty pure and pretty pretty positive, you know. And, and his involvement in the sport really was the fuel that the U.S. team needed to, to shoot to the top, you know, and during his years of being a sponsor was the first time that American wrestling had actually won the world championships, defeated the Russians, who were always the best, you know. So it, it, yeah. it started out as, as really something something great for everyone involved. I remember it was the first time I had ever paid attention to wrestling was at, during this period of time when we, I believe, won the Olympic gold, but certainly world championship. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, in the in the Olympics, they actually don't have, like, a team championship. But, yeah, I mean, the 1996 Olympics, right after Dave died, we dominated that Olympic Games, and we won the World Championships in 1993 and 1995. Right. You know, so, and, 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 you know, we never won it before, and we haven't won it since. Right. So, and, and I would describe John DuPont's um, upbringing, which... It, it it's felt like his upbringing was an extension of the business of being a DuPont. It felt like it was a very it was a sort of this, you know, hands off relationship. And and I would right. and I would even you know certainly at least that I think there's a description in the film of you know making an appointment to see his father sort of situation for him. Right. And, and and as far as the the sport of wrestling itself, I, I can think of I don't know if there's another sport that is as intimate as 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 wrestling is. I mean, boxing is about as close as I can think of that where, but in boxing, you're trying to keep a distance between you and your opponent. In wrestling, you're actually, you that's part of it, is to be, uh, as you say, grappling. Uh, your hands, arms, your feet, your legs, everything about you is is intended to be as close to your opponent as you possibly can be. So that That's in and right. of itself, the sort of the physicality of it, but the intimacy, in, I mean, in a way that is about the athleticism of it, is really something that I, I mean, completely understandable in the sense that you're, you're, you're wrestling every day. You are involved in a very physical way with your teammates and with your opponents on, on a daily basis. And this would, I think you're right, would engender this sense of, of intimacy, of camaraderie that you're describing. So, and yep. here you have John Dupont, who is craving this sort of sense, this level of of uh, of uh, companionship, and in that way uh, that he never had. And it's so it sets up of this very interesting dynamic. Um, I want to remind our listener that we're speaking with John Greenhall, and he's the director of a documentary called Team Catcher that is premiering today. Even as we speak, you can stream this uh, wonderful documentary on Netflix, uh, Team Fox Catcher. It, it started streaming last night at midnight, so please check it out. It's, it's a wonderful film uh, and about a, a very interesting story dynamic as well. Um, well, the uh, so Nancy was intimately involved. I keep using that word intimately. Suddenly, I'm sorry about that, but it was very much involved, uh, a part of this. Uh, and without giving too much away, uh, in in the last couple minutes that we have, how how would you, uh, what would be the you know the the uh, the tag for people who may or may not have seen the the narrative film? To, what is that makes this so compelling? There's a lot of dynamics in here, but tell me what you think sort of makes this story so tragic and yet so interesting at the same time. Well, to me, I think it, it really deals with 
a number of themes, you know, some in the micro and some in the macro. And I think if you're going to zoom out from this a little bit and deal with some of the overarching themes, I think it's really a story that illustrates how money and power can keep somebody insulated and away from some of the consequences that ordinary people deal with every day. So, like, I think when when this story first broke and this first happened, it was really easy for people to look at these wrestlers and all of these people that were around John DuPont and say, well, those people really should have done something. You know, those people were really there for the money and sucking off him, and they really should have stu- stood up, and they really should have done something and stopped this before this happened. But I think, you know, I went to great lengths to try to balance that, to try to have the viewer understand how difficult it actually was for these guys to untangle from this situation. You know, I mean, they they were, first of all, working their entire lives to achieve these goals, and now they have the resources and everything they need in order to do that. You know, not to mention the fact they were all living on this estate. They had children that were going to school there. I mean, they had been in these houses for many years. So, you know, I I think that, that was a big thing for me was just trying to, to strike that balance so you could understand the, diff- the difficult position that all of these people were in. It is. it Yeah, and uh, I'll just say, I'll add one quick sort of tagline to what you're saying. If you think you know the story of what happened with John DuPont, Dave Schultz, the wrestling team, and, and, and the, this story, you don't until you've seen this film. Um, certainly, we'll say again, Foxcatcher, wonderful film. But this is I, a, a, a more rounded, uh, a more su- in some ways more subtle, um, and a deeper understanding of all of the the dynamics and that went into this story, this very tragic story uh, of mental illness and uh, and an, as you said, people looking for suddenly they've found what looks to be uh, their their dreams being fulfilled in having a, a world-class facility and a support structure to to be able to allow them to achieve what they've always wanted, which is excellence yeah. in their sport. It, it is, harkens back to the, the cliche, right? Be careful what you ask for because yeah. you just might get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, again, uh, congratulations, uh, John, on your work here and on the film. Uh, again, it premieres. Thank you so and much. Ha- you're, you're very welcome. It, it has premiered. Uh, on Netflix, and I'm sure will. Uh, so check it out. It, it's uh, it's a a great great documentary and uh, and a very interesting story. Uh, thank you so much, uh, John Greenhall, for joining us today here on Film School. Uh, anytime, not a problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome, John. John Greenhall, director, the film Team Foxcatcher. Take care. Right, bye bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.